We have a great episode for you today. Zero to one with Pete Dupuy of Crushy Sports Performance. Before we get into it, now we are coming up on the fourth episode of the Fitcast Book Club, about two months in, and this is where I'm trying to figure out how can I best support this show going forward? Because this is probably the most work intensive of the new shows that are being put together. And I mean, it seems like you guys are really enjoying it. The download numbers are definitely there. And I'm just trying to figure out the best way to do it scheduling and just in terms of, you know, backing up with the the business side of things and making sure that it makes sense to devote a bunch of time into this show. So please let me know what you think of the show by either sending me an email. And if you can, please help support the show by either making a one-time or a monthly donation through PayPal or by making sure when you go to Amazon, first go to fitcast.network, click on that Amazon tab at the upper right-hand corner. That sends you right back to Amazon. And then you can buy your stuff and a little bit gets kicked back to the network. Thank you so much for for listening and uh, supporting this show. And we will have some more solid plans on the next episode in the next couple of days. So stay tuned for that on Twitter and on the website. Hope you enjoy the show. to the FitCast Book Club. This is episode number four. For this episode, we're going to be talking about zero to one notes on startups or how to build the future by Peter Thiel. My name is Kevin Larrabee, and I have the perfect guest for this book because I have Pete Dupuy of Cressy Sports Performance. Pete, how you doing? Thank you for having me, Kevin. Pleasure to be back on the FitCast. Well, you're on the network now. You're not even on like uh, you're not on the main show. You're on like one of the fancy new shiny shows. Yeah, there's been a podcast revolution. I believe you've had 40 to 400 different versions of the logo to this point. Yes, it's been really tough. Uh, I mean, that's something we could talk about on this. Like branding has been kind of easy for all the other shows because I haven't had to replace a logo that I've had for like the last five years. But even even the logo that I finally settled on, like it's not something that I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Like I can't wait to to have this new logo. But I'm like, all right, well, this is something that everyone seems to really like. Like it got whatever, 160 likes on Facebook. Sure. Okay. I guess that's that's the one to go with. So at least I don't need to think about this anymore. And you guys have had kind of like the similar uh, logo for almost your whole existence. You kind of kept it really clean and like, that's what I kind of want kind of to go kind of wanted to go for with all this stuff as well. Yeah, I think so. I'll tell you two things from an outsider's perspective, because I'm, I'm friends with you on Facebook and I follow the FitCast and <laughs> now the network and all that stuff. And um, what I would tell you is that they're all starting to look the same. And I don't mean that in an insulting way. It's just the color scheme has been consistent. It's clear that you got the same person creating them. And every time you set, put up a new one, I'm like, oh, I love that one. <laughs> then I move my eyes to the next one. I'm like, oh, I love that one. They're all fantastic. So you're not really going to go wrong on any of them. Right. I like the color scheme. I like the layout. I like the concept. Uh, at this point, I'd say, hey, don't overthink it. <laughs> you got you got a good direction going. And it's clear that they're all under the same umbrella, which is nice. I, I think right. it's really important that they have a very similar look and feel. Well, I mean, that's obviously something that I was I was going for. I worked with the same company for, for all the logos. And I did. I wanted to have that kind of look where you could almost look at the logo and be like, oh, yeah, I know that's part of the FitCast network, even though the... The network is a week and a half old, or I guess it's two weeks old now. But um, yeah, that's definitely something that I was going for. And it, who cares? Like at the end of the day, it's like six hundred dollars that I spent on logos. It's not the end of the world if I change them all in two years again. It's not. 
It's not going to kill me. Um, oh, and don't get me wrong. I, I'm a big fan of a nice logo. <laughs> I can definitely appreciate uh, the design component. And and I think it's important that you put some some time, energy, and money toward it. So I don't fault you for that. I'm just saying, hey, at this point, um, make a call and run with it because <laughs> right. they all look pretty good. <laughs> and at the end of the day, no one's looking at the logo. They're listening to the audio. So it's, it's really not uh, a super big deal and yeah but you you're running uh, a business that's going to depend on generating you know sales for your t-shirts and stuff like right. that so people do care don't i know don't discredit that i i think it's important what you're doing i'm just trying to give you a hard time a little bit saying all right we got it logo looks good let's move on to the next part <laughs> no like and this this is one of the things that i'm trying to figure out as a now a, like a small business owner is exactly you know where i should be devoting my where where i should be devoting my mental resources what should i really care about what should i really be worrying about in terms of like funds or or branding or social media stuff because it's a one man show literally there isn't a single person that's helped me outside of the people that i hire to like do logos or to i mean that's really all i've really done is hire people to do logos so um it's tough i haven't really slept a lot in the last month and a half <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better, I got a two-year-old at home and another one coming. So <laughs> we're playing the same game just for different reasons. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, well, like, let's uh, kind of talk a little bit uh, about the book. And as I mentioned before, you're, you're kind of the perfect guest because you're not someone that went to school for kinesiology. You actually have like a business degree. You actually went to real school. Sure. I ain't real school. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, all right. First things first, I got an undergraduate business degree at Babson College mm -hmm. and I enjoyed it enough to go back. So I got a, <laughs> I went through the one year MBA program there back sadly in the summer of 2006 into 2007. So I actually started my MBA program almost 10 years ago to the day, which is absolutely wild to me because I, it feels like yesterday. Pretty so, um, and it is the reason I was so psyched about zero to one as we were, uh, kind of talking about what books might be appropriate for the two of us sit down chat was because I've described this book, uh, on a number of occasions to people as kind of like an all the good parts of an MBA condensed into the pages of a couple hundred page book. Mm -hmm. And it's, that's not to say that it can supplement the entirety of my, my master's experience, but all the components of it that fascinated me going to a school that's very entrepreneurial heavy, um, they all kind of fall within the confines of this text. So I've just been pretty thrilled about it. And Lately, I've found myself listening to a lot of the Tim Ferriss podcast, and I've, I notice he asks the same kind of handful of questions at the end, and he always says, hey, what get, what book have you gifted the most in your life? And I haven't done a whole lot of book gifting, but as of late, I've started to put zero to one in the hands of some friends and interns, and, and that would be the answer to that question if you were to ask me. There's a couple of things I want to hit on there. Um well, I don't know. Maybe this isn't the perfect. We, we've talked a little bit about about fitness business stuff on the previous episodes that you've been on with the the Fitcast. So maybe people can kind of go back and and check those out. So we're not retreading uh, some of the same ground uh, a couple times. Even though though I would kind of like to talk about it today, but um, yeah, go back and, and listen to those. And it's always great to hear kind of like what you guys are doing in terms of uh, cultivating the the people that you have on the staff at Crushy Sports Performance and kind of creating. 
like you, you actually had a post a couple weeks ago, like look at all these brands and companies that have kind of built out of Crassy Sports Performance and the staff that we have there. And you kind of use it as like a, it's, it's a real badge of honor. It's not something that you see as threatening. It's something that you see as, oh, like, look at this. We have like this incredible group of people now working at this facility and they're, they're hungry. They're getting after it. Yeah. And, you know, I never thought of it this way until I, I was just listening to you say it. But the more I think about it, Eric and I are obviously enthusiastic about seeing our employees take an entrepreneurial approach to developing their craft and their career. And I think maybe the reason that we're a little bit of an outlier in that habit is because not everybody who goes into opening a gym or in this industry goes into it because they're so entrepreneurially driven. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they do it because they're sick of working for the man and they know they love fitness, but they think that the business piece might be easier than it really is. Whereas Eric and I actually met at Babson College and Eric did not intend to be an exercise science student at any point until after our sophomore year of college when he transferred out. And so he absolutely had the entrepreneurial bug and continues to at this point. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why we're so eager to see these brands evolve and develop under our roof. And even to the point where I, in some weird way, I feel like the FitCast kind of started to mature even a little bit yeah. while you were an intern with us and, and you were jumping into the industry coming out of Keene State and you know, starting to attack this process. So we were part of it during the early days. And, and God, can you imagine if I said to an intern that you can't, you can't record podcasts while you're on our staff, you can't right. talk about your time with us. That'd be crazy. So well, that's it, kind of a reflection of how we handle it now. Yeah. And it, and it, it was a, for me, it was a great environment of just a bunch of hungry individuals with you, Eric, Tony Gentilcore and Brian St. Pierre. And it, it it is one of those things where it's not only just like contagious, but you're you it almost becomes the normal. You see how hard everyone else is working. It almost immediately raises the bar that you kind of set for yourself as well as the new normal for how hard you should be working. So that was definitely like the time where I started doing a lot more stuff in, in terms of writing and trying to increase the the traffic into the website and, and stuff like that. And Again, it was it was the incredible support that that you guys have given me, and it's kind of transitioned over to to Mike Ball Strength and Conditioning, where it hasn't really been uh, something that is not that it hasn't been. It, it it's never been something that's been brought up. Like I kind of got that job because of the podcast, so it's it's been great uh, for the last seven years or so there as well. Oh, I'll be honest. You got you got the internship because of the podcast. I right. remember when we were reviewing applications, Eric and Tony said, "Oh no, this guy knows his stuff. He runs a fitness podcast. Let's let's push him through." I may not have even read your application. <laughs> I mean, that and that happens a lot. If we get the right type of, um, we'll say, recommendation from someone we trust, or you know, an, an established personal and professional relationship in place, mm -hmm. then I'm not going to waste my time <laughs> running through application review and scheduling interviews and, and concerning myself with stuff that I can bypass if I know that the right people have told me to trust you. Well, it, it's so funny that, that this is coming up and maybe this is just turning into like a joint you know business episode and a book club episode. But I was talking with uh, Dave Delanave yesterday. We were recording for uh, Fit Cast Life Fuel. And one of the things that came up was, you know, 
my podcast, even though it may not have been something that generated money over the last 10 years, and now it's like I'm trying to do it. And, and thankfully, I have my very first sponsor, not very first, but first sponsor in the last maybe like two years on the show. Um, we were talking about how like the podcast has kind of been my resume. It's been the thing that, if anything, it's helped just boost up my as gross as it sounds brand. And it's been beneficial in that way, even if it hasn't brought in, in money for me uh, professionally. So that can be kind of your, your resume is just, Hey, look at, here's this thing that I've been doing for a really long time. It shows that I work hard. It shows that I'm capable of producing digital content and uh, I'm not afraid to kind of go after things by myself. Yeah. And let's not discredit the importance of just delivering value for for an extended period of time before you decide you're going to start to extract some dollars from mm-hmm. the business. I, I I see nothing wrong with with establishing a track record of just creating quality content and you know, you know basically you've spent almost a decade earning everybody's trust. So it's not like anyone's going to suddenly think you're sketchy because you want to make a living. <laughs> I I hope not. It hasn't happened yet. And uh, the great thing is that, you know, if you never want to give me a penny, you can still grab the shows and never give me a penny (laughs) and never buy anything through like the Amazon link or anything like that. It's no problem. And I kind of like it that way, too. Sure. Well, everybody go out and buy a T-shirt. It's a cool logo. Oh, yeah. Go buy a T-shirt. It's like whatever Tony says, it will increase your deadlift by 45% or something like that. For Those are Tony's shirts. And I think the the Cresty Sports Performance shirts increase your bench by like 78%. I don't know if you guys did that peer review stuff or not, but... Well, you you should know better, Kevin, because <laughs> baseball players don't bench. Baseball players don't bench, and I'm not one to ever speak about bench pressing in terms of a uh, you know not under our roof. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. So, anyways, the book is is now that we're 12 minutes in uh, zero to one, uh, and I like to do kind of I like to give their little brief like back of the book synopsis real quick to set the stage, um, and this is how they said it. If you want to build a better future, you must believe in secrets. I don't know. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, the great secret of our time is that there are still uncharted frontiers to explore and new inventions to create. And Zero to One, legendary entrepreneur and investor Peter Thiel shows how we can find singular ways to create those new things. Thiel begins with the contrarian premise that we live in an age of technological stagnation, even if we've uh, been too distracted by shiny mobile devices to notice. Information technology has improved rapidly, but there is no reason why progress should be limited to computers or Silicon Valley. Progress can be achieved in any industry or area of business. It comes from the most important skill that every leader must master, learning to think for yourself. So uh, this book is available right now on everything. You can get it on Amazon in a hardcover, uh, Kindle for about $15, hardcover for about $15, also an Audible for about $15. And if, if you are thinking about picking up this book, and I think, again, I'm, I'm going to be really interested to talk to, to Pete about this, but uh, he says it's kind of like the number one book that he would recommend for, for people that are 
kind of hungry and getting after it, thinking about doing their own things, being an entrepreneur. I'd really appreciate it if you help me be an entrepreneur by going to fitcast.network and either click on the Amazon button on the upper right-hand corner and then buy the book. That sends you right back to Amazon and then everything else is the same. It's the same price. It's the same shipping, all that stuff. But Mr. Amazon gets a little bit less and that gives the FitCast network a little bit of a cut so I can buy uh, bandwidth, you know, equipment and all that stuff for the, the, the shows themselves. So uh, this is a book, Pete, that I picked up maybe two years ago now, and it sat on my Audible um, on my Audible account on my phone for a long time without being downloaded. I probably bought it because you recommended it, and then I just didn't go into it because I just – I'm okay. I like – I like personal development books, but business books have never been something that I'm like, oh man, I can't wait to dive into this business book because I am um, maybe not a really good business person. Um, but uh, when did you first hear about the book? And uh, obviously you kind of mentioned it before, but what were your first thoughts as you kind of ran through it? Well, I'll tell you the the first time I heard about it, I, I showed up to work on a regular day any sort of day. <laughs> and, uh, I come in and in the middle of my desk, there's the, the book zero to one sitting in front of the keyboard with a post-it note on it that said, read this Miguel. <laughs> and, I said, <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. My, one of my employees just showed up with a book and, mm-hmm. and said, read this. And, uh, he popped into my office a few minutes later and he's like, and all he says is thank me later. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, great. So I started, you know, I found a little bit of time. It was, uh, Back when my kid was like the little inanimate object, not running around the house tearing stuff up, so I could pop him in his little rocker and uh, you know read a book in a week, which is becoming harder and harder these days. Mm-hmm. But um, he obviously had read it and realized that it, it probably sounded like a lot of the messages I was kind of spouting around the office from the perspective of, uh, we'll say, an entrepreneur and somebody who's got an appreciation for business. Um, I will say that I think the reason this book really connected with me is is how it originated. My understanding, and I may be wrong on this, but I believe that the the way that this book came to fruition was that Peter Thiel was actually teaching a graduate course at Stanford University uh, focusing on entrepreneurial studies. Mm-hmm. And so basically a student collected a series of lectures and they said, you know, this should be a book. And so all of that information got condensed into zero to one. And that's why the in, the insights do jump around a little bit. And that's why it is not by any means a recipe to business success. Right. What it is is a way to challenge you to think a little bit more more entrepreneurially and really consider whether you are creating something that already exists and essentially just trying to compete on price or recreate someone else's ideas or if you're going from zero to one and creating something that just plain wasn't there before and and putting something entirely new on people's radars Mm -hmm. and that kind of resonated with me because I think that when we started to go into business here with CSP, there was not a a player in the industry that was specifically attacking the baseball-specific strength and conditioning component. Mm-hmm. So obviously, I would never make the claim that we created strength and conditioning. We we went from zero in the sense that baseball players had not entirely embraced the idea of this performance enhancement piece as being a competitive advantage for them. So we got a little bit of first mover advantage and and those concepts are hammered home continuously in this book. And it, 
I think so. We before we started the show, we talked a little bit about our reading process, mm-hmm. and uh, I it's probably good that I explain how I read <laughs> so you can understand yeah. why I why I kind of accumulated the notes I did and why this one jumped out to me. So I have two books going at any given moment of time, right? So I've got a fiction book typically, and then something more along the personal professional development lines. And the reason I go this route is because I found that I can't process information from a book like Zero to One or, or a personal or professional development angle while driving, listening to an audiobook because I'll, all I want to do is pull over and start highlighting text or mm-hmm. you know making notes in my Evernote on my phone, and it's just inefficient and dangerous. So I will listen to books on tape that are a little bit more passive listening when I'm driving. And if I'm going to read stuff that's going to influence the way I write my blog or run my business, then I want it in my hand and I want to have a highlighter in my hands. And so it's a little bit more studious the way I consume this info. And with Zero to One, I ended up with so many highlighted components of this book and little sayings that I thought were fascinating or concepts that I wanted to revisit that at the end of the day, when I was done with that book, I sat down in front of my computer and I put everything that I highlighted into an Excel file. Mm-hmm. And I was like, God, I'm, I have so much here that I want to revisit. Some of this is like great for Twitter material. Some of it's perfect for presentation I'm preparing. Some of it's great for a staff meeting to start discussing kind of the direction of our business. There was just so much. And I wanted it all condensed in one place where I wasn't flipping through pages and being like, where was that piece? Mm-hmm. And that spawned this way that I started reading and consuming information moving forward. And now I've got this huge Excel file with different tabs for different books. And it's just got the name of the book or the name of the author. And every one of them has got like a page number, a quote associated with it, and then a kind of like a highlighting system for whether I've used it or not. Like, mm-hmm. have I put it in a blog? Have I mentioned this in a presentation? Have I talked to Kevin about this on the FitCast? That way I'm not, you know, churning out the same stuff over and over again. And it's like my content file. And to this day, I've never had one that has so much information in it as my zero to one does. <laughs> so that's that's why it was so easy for me. No brainer to say, Kevin, let's talk about this one. Well, I mean, first, I hope you're backing that thing up into like a Dropbox and like a Google it's Drive. In the Google and, Drive. Yeah. Okay, thank God. All right, so <laughs> I should just sell that as a product someday. This is how I read. <laughs> no, you like that is like not joking. Like that is something that would be huge in terms of a uh, you know a presentation that you're giving them being like, all right. And by the way, here's like all the books that I've read and here's all the things that I took home from it. That'd be a huge, like additional thing for, for people to get. But, um, yeah, like you, you and I are kind of almost, almost the same, but really different when it comes to this stuff, because I, I don't read, uh, like I usually go Kindle. I, I don't buy paper books usually anymore, but I usually get a Kindle version and I get it on audible as well for what I consider to be personal development or business books. That way I can, I can listen to it when I'm in the car. And then like, as soon as I get anywhere, like I can either pull up my phone and I can highlight what was important in those sections. It's usually, if you heard it, it's really easy to like run through the pages real quick and, and highlight whatever you want. And then you sure. can kind of copy paste that into my, my notes app, which syncs between my, my two computers and my iPad and my phone. So I can have that stuff where, wherever I go. Um, and listening to these books, like books on personal development and, and this book, like I was listening to it while I was walking my dog this morning and I immediately had ideas that 
kind of had nothing to do with what was being talked about in the book, but it kind of gets the gears going and it allows you to kind of do the like the multi-core processing of your computer, where even if it's not not like the main task that you're focused on right now, sometimes you're just able to work on some other tasks at the same time and like ideas pop up. And then immediately I'm holding down the the button on my phone and saying like, remind me in 30 minutes, this, this, and this. And then I'll have like a thing pop up on my phone or my computer. Because again, like with all the Apple stuff, it will just all sync. It will just say, oh yeah, just reminder, like while you're walking, you thought of this, hey, this is something that you should do. Like for me, it's all right. Well, now I'm going to post all my podcasts on YouTube as well. I'm just going to put the artwork up and then I'm going to have all the audio like go on there so I can just post all my podcasts on YouTube as well. Because some people will just never get into podcasts. Like they'd rather just have a tab open on their computer with the YouTube uh, video going and just listening to the audio while they're doing other stuff. Or maybe they're just searching Google and surprise Google and YouTube are, are like the same company. So sure. like those search results, like if they type in uh, zero to one book review, you know, this podcast might show up on YouTube like the video, because of course Google is going to bounce their stuff up a little bit higher. So that's, that's like a really good workflow for, for me, but, um, I'm also spending twice as much because I'm buying the book on Audible and on Kindle. So I don't know. Hey, we all have our systems and yeah. and I don't pretend that my system is the right one per se. It's just, it's how I learn. And I know I sound crazy OCD with my, <laughs> with my Excel file at the end of the day, but it, it really is just, it's, it's kind of a way for me to push the book aside and feel like I don't necessarily need to pull it off the bookshelf anytime soon, right. but I can still benefit from that information in an ongoing basis. Because you're right, that that document is right there in my Google Drive. It's one of the first things I open up when I get up into the cloud. And uh, whenever I'm at a loss for content ideas, I just bounce back to that. Well, let's let's get into discussion of the book. And this is going to be maybe a little bit different than the other episodes that we've done because um, for, for me... I, I read this book and this book could have kind of told me, you know, a bunch of different things because I don't have an MBA. I don't know exactly if, if what they're telling me is something that is a really good information aside from the examples that they're sharing with the uh, author's time at, at PayPal or using stuff like the uh, things that are being done at Tesla with, with Elon Musk and all the, the great work that he's done throughout his companies, uh, of course, also at PayPal. But the the thing that I kind of want to talk to you about as, as we get started is selfishly, I am someone that that is starting a business and I'm learning all this stuff on the fly. I'm learning how to expense stuff. I'm learning how, how am I supposed to like move my funds around to make sure that I'm paying the minimum? Like, I don't want to get double taxed on all this stuff. Um, how do I, how do I basically run this the most efficient way possible with the minimum amount of work? Because like I'm also kind of having to be my accountant, even though I also have an accountant, like I can't pay him $500 an hour to do all this stuff all the time. Like I need to do some of it myself. So as someone that, that you would be giving advice to for someone that is starting up their, their own company, um, aside from, maybe we should start with this. I, uh, what advice do you have for people that are thinking of starting their own company in, in relation with this book? on how to make sure that they're doing something that is unique and they're just not starting another Crushy Sports Performance, but they're starting it in Michigan instead of Boston. 
Well, I, I don't mean to imply that there's something wrong with recreating something that's already worked. I'm just saying that, um, well, I mean, I they mentioned the- it in the book, like you're like to get to the one, like you, you need to kind of do something. If you want to be like that new revolutionary business, like maybe it's, it's best to kind of do something that is something that no one is doing and not just iterating on something that is already successful. Yeah. Well, all right. So, so you've heard the saying, I presume, um, you know, if you do what you always did, you get what you always got. Right. And, and I think that if you are somebody who's going into this business with aspirations of creating something really special and making a ton of money, because mm-hmm. let's be honest, we're, a lot of us are here <laughs> because we want to make some money. Um, the money is in going from zero to one, going from one to one is it, it can be profitable, mm-hmm. but if you want to see a big boom, you want the next Facebook, you got to create something that didn't exist and right. you got to be the first to market with it. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with recreating what you have seen work in the past. The problem is the upside is not as high and that's fine. If you just, you love being in the gym, going to the gym and personal training your clients, mm-hmm. then that's that doesn't need to be revolutionary. That's just building an awesome book of business and and figuring out how to net as much money as you can out of what you gross and and that's still good business and that's an admirable task. My attitude is just that I think our entrepreneurial nature and by our I mean myself and Eric and you with the Fitcast network and and other people who are trying to create something that doesn't necessarily exist at this point. Um we just we have a tendency of wanting to go a little bit bigger than figuring out if we can recreate something that's already worked for other people. Mm-hmm. Um one of the the highlights that so the first highlight on my my sheet for this book was a quote from page two where he said the paradox of teaching entrepreneurship is such that a formula necessarily cannot exist because every innovation is new and unique no authority can prescribe in concrete terms how to be innovative mm. and and I thought that was a brilliant way for for Thiel to start an entrepreneurial studies course basically saying. Uh, you know, I'm here to help you change the way you think, but I have no idea how to tell you to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fascinating because there is no recipe for the next PayPal. So I I think that whether or not you're going to create something incredibly new and mind blowing, or if you are going to open up another CrossFit and you're going to kill it that way, that that all comes down to to your entrepreneurial nature. And not every entrepreneur has a ton of entrepreneurial nature because franchising is a beautiful thing if you don't want to do any thinking and you want someone to hand you the systems and just go execute. That's that's recreation. That's not zero to one, but it's not a bad thing. Yeah, and, and I've I've realized with the a, a podcast network is not something that's new. Like it's something that people have sure. been doing for for a really long time. My my spin on it is kind of the 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 different shows that, that I offer on there and like even, you know, selfishly again, like I'm not always looking at like, what's going to be the thing that revolutionizes podcast networks for me. It's like, Oh, okay. Well again, I'm one person. Like what are the things that I'm, I'm, I guess I was looking at a different angle, like no, not at this, this, this network's never going to make a million dollars. But, uh, in the meantime, like maybe well, that attitude sucks. I well <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Because- I mean, someone could say to me, could have said to me, hey, you know, you're opening a gym 
with mm-hmm. a couple of buddies and you're showing up every day in sweatpants and a t-shirt, <laughs> that's, that's never going to make a million dollars. Well, when it comes down to it, we're generating seven figures worth of cash flow through this space. Mm-hmm. And, and we did. <laughs> so, so, I mean, our attitude was never, well, it's not going to be that. I mean, we had realistic goals and expectations, but we weren't afraid to bump them up continuously. And, and I think that's a shitty attitude, Kevin. You're totally, no, you're totally right. And it, it's something that is, I'm, I'm always someone that is never trying to, what's the best way to phrase this? Like, I'm never trying to expect like an incredible outcome. Like the show has, has slowly, slowly grown over the last 10 years and like a huge, a huge thing for, for me, like right now, I, I can't tell you. And I, and I talked a little bit about, uh, this with, with Dave yesterday, but the, the, the number one thing for me right now in terms of excitement is finding out that I've been able to secure sponsors for, for two of the shows, like being able to, uh, go with like pedestal for, uh, footwear, like, Brendan and those guys are an incredible company that I get to work with. And like, that was the first thing. It's like, okay, now this is a company. I actually invoice two people and I have income that has gone into my bank account. Holy shit. Like we're going. All right. So, and and you're totally right because also I talked to my accountant uh, last week and like he was telling me how like you should always be, uh, how did he phrase it? Oh my God, where's my notebook? My notebook's over there. But um, he phrased it as like, you're always trying to beat last month. Like mm-hmm. you should always beat last month, beat last month's income, like beat last month's uh, profits. Like you always should be trying to beat last month. If you can continue to do that, I mean, your company is going to grow. And he said the same thing. He's like, I'm like, oh, well, it'd be really great if I could make this a $20,000 business in the first year. He says, well, why? Why only $20,000? Like, why not $50,000? I'm like, well, I don't know. I guess I'm just trying to be lower my expectations so I don't think of this as a failure after the first year and all the work that I put into it. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm with your accountant on on both levels. I'll tell you that. So we run a very seasonal business. So the the whole beat last month concept isn't necessarily applicable for us because I'll lose 70 to 80% of my business between March and April. And over a six to eight week span, they kind of disappear because they all go in season. And, and so the way that I take the beat last month, uh, approach is I try and outperform the corresponding month from the year before. Mm-hmm. So what I'll do is I'll say, Hey, let's beat last May. Right. <laughs> and and right. that way I always know what my objective is. And, and it's, it's an exact replica of what you're talking about. It's just slightly modified because we have a very big seasonality component to what we're doing. Um, but I am a hundred percent with your accountant in the sense that, 20. I mean, it's, it's great to have goals and, and you should absolutely figure out what your expectations are for your business. But I think that you should have a, like a, a reasonable expectation and aggressive expectation and stay open-minded that you very well may outperform your goals. And, and you know, if you, if you think that you've got it in you, then you're a whole lot more likely to hit it than you are to say, well, this is just a $20,000 business this year, because I know for a fact that you're putting a whole lot more time and energy in than $20,000 would warrant. So I say go out and crush it and <laughs> keep those goals high and, and don't settle for anything under 20. I, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's the goal. And that's why I'm a, I'm a bad business person. It's why I've been like fortunate to not have to really worry with all the other businesses that I've started. I've been a partner in and I haven't really had to worry about 
the financial stuff. It's something that is is brand new to me, and it's probably my my biggest. No, it is. It's no doubt that it is the biggest uh, hurdle for me to get over with all this stuff. Is knowing like, all right, well, even if I do expense stuff, that means all right, well, I'm going to have to make sure that I go into QuickBooks and I'm going and and making sure that I'm taking notes of everything that I'm expensing, everything that I'm purchasing for, for end of the year tax reasons. And it's something that, oh my God, I just recorded podcasts all day. I've been editing all day. Plus, guess what? I've had to still run the other three businesses that I'm a part of. Now I have to go do expenses. That sucks. It's like the last thing I want to worry about. Life sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. But at least, at least we get to talk about it and bitch about it on on a podcast. Um, okay, so now, this is again a very weird show because I'm also kind of using it as an opportunity to talk a little bit about business stuff with Pete. So you know, bear with me. And uh, I'm sure if you have any interest in starting your own business or if you're doing that right now, this is going to be incredibly beneficial for you as as well. Um, well, and this book is all business stuff. I mean, yeah. it, the reality is the reading this book is is like I'm having a business conversation with myself as I process the ideas. So it's we're really not deviating from the concepts of the book. It's just a it's a meandering collection of ideas and concepts in there because it was a series of lectures. So in I'm happy to hit you with kind of my favorite quotes from it, my favorite notes. I think that as I review them, what I realize is that um, the overarching theme of the book from Peter is that he he basically sets an objective to create a monopoly and mm-hmm. anything he gets into. And he uses the term create a monopoly of one over and over and over. And, and basically his objective is to own the segment that he is in whenever he starts something. And I think that's a fantastic approach. And so he, he says stuff like uh, creative monopolists give customers more choices by adding entirely new categories of abundance to the world. And that's, that's kind of the best way to attack, I, I would say, being an entrepreneur as far as I'm concerned. Because like I said earlier, you can call yourself an entrepreneur when you start a gym that's one of you know 1,800 CrossFits that are going to start mm-hmm. today. But I think there's a big difference between you know that type of entrepreneur and you trying to create something from nothing here with the network. And so you said, oh, I'm not the first person to create a network of podcasts. Yeah, I get that. But you might be the first one in our industry to do so. And and in my eyes, that makes you an innovator. Oh, that makes me feel so much better. You're totally right. Yeah. So it you don't it's it's not as difficult to to find something that can go from zero to one as people think. Because it doesn't you don't need to create something that just plain never existed anymore. You can introduce something that exists elsewhere into a new market. And that's kind of how I handle like my content creation. Like every week, every Friday, I send out a newsletter, and the whole it's called my Friday Four. And the concept is the four articles I read this week outside of the fitness industry that are business specific that that craft the way I think about my content creation and the way we move this business forward. And so, and I, it shouldn't even say every Friday. Thursday nights, I send out my Friday Four. And for example, my four articles yesterday, one of them was about how Netflix focuses on um, the thumbnails they use to increase the likelihood that people click on movies. Uh, Another one was on the language you should use when you deal with people who are haggling for your services. Mm -hmm. Um, I I mean, there there are a series of different 
kind of concepts. Mm -hmm. But what I'm doing is I'm bringing them to fitness professionals who probably aren't finding the time to read Forbes or go to Entrepreneur Magazine or read Fast Company. And that's kind of where I spend all of my time when I'm not here. I immerse myself in kind of the business school side of things that I miss. And and I'm just bringing, bringing something that is on a lot of other people's radars already to a segment of the population that didn't realize it was available. And so in some ways, that's that's one-to-one. But when you start to apply it to the fitness industry, that's zero-to-one. Does that make sense? I love it. You're making me feel so much better today. I was about <laughs> to shut the doors on the network. I'm here to, I'm here to bump your <laughs> ego up. If there's one thing that you appear to be good at, it's negative self-talk. Well, okay, this is – and I apologize. If you listen to every show on, on the network, like that's something that um, – I don't know, Pete, if you know Krista Scott Dixon of Precision Nutrition, um, yep. but I, I've been I hired her as a, a nutrition coach, and like she's been really good as like uh, someone to just talk to about this stuff because that is something that that she noticed with me is like, oh well, she didn't really know me before I had her I had her on for back to back episodes on the Fit Ass, and then I had her on as a coach, and and the one thing that she pointed out is like. Kevin, from from talking to you, you just seem to like not think that you've done anything and you're 30 years old and you've done all this stuff. So you have to be able to like be able to uh, like congratulate Kevin and, mm-hmm. and, and let yourself know that like you've done some pretty rad stuff. And sometimes it's easy for me to forget that, which I know is something I need to work on. Sure. Well, and kind of think of it in the um, along the lines of the athletes that we work with here. Uh, a lot of the time what I see, the difference between the elite ones, and by elite I mean the ones who are getting paid big dollars, mm-hmm. and then the the fringe guys, it's it's not always skill set and output. A, a big component of it is is confidence. <laughs> and so right. like I, I play soccer still and as an amateur men's league soccer player and I'm a goalkeeper. And and when people are like, well what's it take to be a good goalkeeper? And I say it takes arrogance. Like <laughs> you need to be every time I give up a goal, I think to myself, like, I absolutely should not have got scored on there. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's a penalty kick. I mean statistically it's improbable that you're gonna save it, but <laughs> In my mind, I should have saved every single one of them because I think I'm better than everybody else. Mm-hmm. I'm not. <laughs> but if you don't carry that self-confidence into the process, it's not going to translate into the way you perform. So it's it's the way I play sports with an un, unnecessarily high <laughs> level of confidence. It's mm-hmm. the way I we run our business. It's the way we we think about what we're bringing to the table for the field. And I think you could stand to kick up your self-confidence a little bit. But you know, not that this is supposed to be like some sort of, you know, <laughs> therapy session. But I mean, this is something that maybe everyone could probably use a little bit more of. I'm sure there, there's some like egomaniacs in the in every industry, but you know, I'm sure there's. I mean, I, I met so many people throughout, like going to perform better summits, speaking to people that have emailed me through the show, things like that, that have said. Like I'm not ready to do this. I'm not ready to write articles in the industry. I shouldn't have my own website. I shouldn't have like my own podcast or whatever. And I'll be like, "What are you talking about? You've been coaching people for 15 years. You know more than 90 percent of the people that are selling products right now in the industry. You bet your ass you should have your own website and don't feel like you're not ready. Of course you are. So we could probably all use a little bit more of it for the most part. Yeah, we need to kick ourselves in the pants to put out more content and trust our our insights. It's uh, 
but you know oftentimes some people aren't going to deviate away from that mentality and and I hate to say it but they're just never going to get to be like really hugely impactful thought leaders if they can't even uh I would say convince themselves that they're worthy of it. Well let's uh let's take this opportunity we have a lot more to come up uh with this book and I still have some more questions for for Pete on on business and starting your own business partners you know picking partners for your company or figuring out, you know, should you go at it alone or should you have a business partner to go as you get things uh, started. But I'm going to take this opportunity. This show does not have a sponsor. So a lot of the things that I'm going to talk about right now are you, you, the audience is being the the sponsor. And the two things that I love to mention that if you do appreciate this content, if you like it, get uh, like having it produced every other week, help me out and help make this business successful by you could do two of two things. You could either go to fitcast.network. And if you want, you can do something as incredible as making a one time or a monthly donation through PayPal. Uh, you could also become a Patreon supporter of the fitcast or back in my play and make that as your contribution to the network. Or you could do what millions of people love to do and go to that uh, website. It's amazon.com. But don't go there first. Go to ficast.network and click on the Amazon store tab in the upper right-hand corner. That sends you right back to the front page of amazon.com. And then go do your shopping. Like If you did that, and it's, it's been like really cool. I had a couple of people email and tweet me that they just bookmark that uh, link that I put up on ficast.network. So now when they do any Amazon shopping... A little bit less goes to Mr. Amazon. Uh, I think his name's Jeff Jeff Bezos, and it goes back to the Fitcast Network account. So it helps me buy books for the show. It helps me uh, purchase equipment. It helps me do things like I just bought a two thousand dollar computer for production for all this stuff. That helps me out uh, dearly to make this thing a, a legitimate business, to make it successful, and to allow me to to spend the time to produce all this stuff and make it sound really great and have it get delivered right to your iPhone, your Android, your laptop, your whatever you're listening to. Maybe you're listening to this on your, your Amazon Kindle Fire or whatever. Maybe you bought that on Amazon too. Uh, that helps me so support this show. So please go to fitcast.network, click on that Amazon tab. If you're really awesome, like like some of the other people, just bookmark that. So whenever you buy stuff on Amazon, automatically a little bit of that cut goes to the Fitcast Network and you still get the same great prices, same great shipping, same customer service. All you're doing is saying, Amazon, you have plenty of money. You guys just had a record-breaking quarter. Then they just did. They really just did. They don't. They have plenty of money now. Uh, just, just give a little bit less to Mr. Amazon, a little bit more to Mr. Fitcast Network, and that way uh, I can continue to do this stuff and maybe even make this stuff uh, weekly. Like That's what I would love to do is be able to do this show every single week, but it's hard to do if this show makes negative dollars every single time I put it out. Uh, so thank you so much to everyone that does support the show, be it through PayPal, Patreon, or going to that Amazon link. And maybe down the road, we'll have a sponsor uh, for this show, but it's still very, very new. So it's hard to put that stuff together right at the start. So um, Pete, you like Amazon. What do you like to buy on Amazon? What do you like to buy as a business person on Amazon? Let's give people uh, a suggestion of something to buy that can improve their business. Oh, I, I'm going to be honest. I don't do a whole lot of business-related Amazon transactions. What do you got? You go to Office <laughs> Amazon, <Max? laughs> Amazon for me. Yeah, Staples.com is where we live. Actually, Stacy and I, my office manager. Really? Uh, Amazon. I wear Amazon out with with diapers and <laughs> paper towels and toilet paper. <laughs> Those are important. Those are super important. Yeah. 
Amazon is a, is very important to the way we run our home, um, not so much the way I run the business outside of when we're buying books for continuing ad purposes and that sort of a deal. And that's not to say that I'm not an Amazon believer. I just I've I allow um, certain things like that to fall off my radar. And, and as I've become better at delegating and not micromanaging stupid little things like buying printer ink and that sort of <laughs> I basically gave the the credit card info to Stacy and I said, "Hey, you need it, you get it. Put a put a receipt on my desk. We're good to go." Awesome. <laughs> it's nice to take those things off of my to do list every day because I realize like ordering pens and clipboards, pretty much everyone under this roof can do that, and I don't know why I, I was adding it to my to do list as they sat out there twiddling their thumbs during a quiet day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so perfect. I she might be buying a lot more stuff from Amazon than I realize. I like to use it for gift cards for uh, interns too. When they're outgoing, send them a little thank you, Amazon gift card. <laughs> yeah, I will recommend this is this is going to be my recommendation for for this uh, episode. I'm I'm crazy about having those USB power chargers in my bag whenever I travel a lot now. So, and I know Peter traveling a lot too. I really recommend it's a really nice, small, compact, high capacity one. It's the Anchor Power Core thirteen thousand milliamp hour. It's a two port. Uh, ultra portable uh, USB charger, so you can charge your iPad, your your iPhone. For me, sometimes my PlayStation Vita, if I'm playing some video games or something on the flight, uh, that is something that is super important for me because, especially if you're traveling like a nice long, God, we're going to Dubai in a couple of weeks. We're going to like Brazil in a while. Hopefully, not super soon. We're going actually this winter because right now in Brazil is like on fire, but, um, <laughs> get one of those anchor power core USB chargers anchors, like the best brand that I found. And I'm crazy about this. I literally have six, six, like USB chargers. It's the best brand that I found and it's the most compact for the highest capacity. And it charges at five volts and two amps. So it's actually super fast charging. Uh, so go and, and check it out. Um, actually it's up to three amps now they even improved it. So go check it out and buy it through Amazon. It's $26. And if it's $26, probably $3 is going to go to the FitCast Network, which would be absolutely gigantic. So thank you for supporting the show. It's so funny, the stuff that gets you fired up. Dude, <laughs> Good I, USB port. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a power crazy person. It's why like, I'm sure when if there's like new MacBooks that come out in, in June, if they have like an extra hour battery life, I'm going to buy it because I'm always worried about losing charge on my portable devices. It's so dumb. <laughs> That's it. That's your worries. For me, I'm like, I, I have found this new sippy cup that just never leaks. <laughs> and the new diaper genie they came out with is exceptional. It's got a foot pedal on Wait, it. What's a diaper genie? <laughs> oh, you didn't. God, you don't even want to know. Okay. It's a way to dispose of, of child diaper waste and not stink up your house. That's the simplest description of it. <laughs> okay. Well, oh, wow. These are really, oh my God. That's like a. Uh... Go buy it on Amazon. People. Yeah, go buy it. <laughs> I, might, I might get that just in, in preparation for having children that is getting ahead of yourself Kevin. <laughs> hey you never know all right so um that well, all right so i want to i a quote popped off my list to me that perfect uh, yeah let's get going that revisits kind of this discussion because i'm terrified that i'm i'm giving this impression to people that i only believe in creating something from nothing and that there's no value in the alternative and and one of the things that feel said in here was that a great company is a conspiracy to change the world and when you share your secret the recipient becomes a fellow conspirator. Huh, so yeah. I think that's that's basically saying that if you're going to embrace this entrepreneurial mindset, you're going to bring a lot of value and bring something that can be recreated and, mm. and people can make a living recreating kind of your efforts. 
and and I don't mean that in a like a theft sort of way, like stealing your intellectual property. I just mean you're you're bringing a value and in inspiring people to take a stab at at duplicating. Then that's that's great. I mean, I, I hope that there are some baseball specific strength and conditioning facilities out there that that were kind of um, conceived in the minds of some people who are following our brand, and I hope they're making a good living doing it. I just don't want to compete with them for the high profile elite guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how, how do you? How do you deal with that as like someone you're, you guys are a company that also has like uh, mentorships and, and things like that where people come in and get to kind of check out exactly what you're doing at CSB. I mean, that's not something that you're really worried about if someone opens up a facility, uh, you know, 3000 miles away because a they're not going to have at least right off the bat, they're not going to have the brand that you guys have. And then, you know, B, they're just if anything, they're going to be doing their best to kind of mimic what you're doing. Yeah, and the the great thing about that is that we can we can open our doors to observational guests or mentorship attendees and and not be terrified of losing intellectual property because our our programming philosophy and and approach to coaching athletes is not extraordinarily revolutionary. There are some components of it that are are I would say thought leader type stuff. Eric yeah, Stacey at the front edge front edge of the field as far as innovating the way you attack training a baseball player goes mm-hmm. but you also need to remember that he's publishing that content for free all the time mm-hmm. and what we have here that is so valuable is is a brand but the brand is a function of a, a combination of personalities and so anyone who comes into our gym thinking that a, a day a week a month a year a decade of being here is going to allow them to recreate exactly what we have is out of their mind because what we have is is a Greg Robbins and a Chris Howard and up until recently a Tony Gentilcore and and these personalities that all mesh together to create something very unique and so it's there is no recipe to to just do what we do here and a great example of that is that if you were to step into our Florida facility right now you'd be like, wow, this looks exactly like Hudson, Massachusetts. The equipment's the same. The layout's very similar. The programming template's the same. The the music is just as awful. And <laughs> then you realize, like, you know what? This feels very different once you start to see that the personality of the staff is different. Mm-hmm. And and I don't mean different bad. I just mean different. But what we have is a is a brand that is a function of a lot of different quirky characters. And we all deliver the same message, but it, you receive it differently when you've got some pretty off-the-wall, crazy individuals um, kind of instructing the fitness content. And so I think that you know any way that we can pay it forward to the industry and open our doors for people to see the systems and see how our team interacts and get a feel for how um, we cue our athletes and, and screen them, fine. Bring them in. Come on in. And we're collectively pushing the industry forward, helping them make some better decisions. If, if they like what we're doing, great. Go ahead and try and recreate it. If you don't believe in some of the things we do, that's fine. I mean, we can agree to disagree. But I don't have anything to fiercely protect. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that that's our attitude. That's why anyone who's listening to FitCast who has an interest in observing at our business, we we have observational guests every day of the week. I'm trying to think where I want to go next because there's. I feel like we could – you're right. We could probably talk for 10 hours about this damn book and like all the, all the things that we could cover in terms of starting a business and, and running a business efficiently. Um, but as I kind of go through my notes and, and for the book itself, I mean, one of the things that I wanted to definitely hit on is choosing 
I mean, the, the concept of, of choosing a partner to, to, to work with, because that is something that uh, is mentioned in the book. And I've heard it mentioned a thousand times, like your business partner, you're, you're basically going into a marriage. So it's someone that you need to be comfortable thinking about spending the next, you know, 30, 50, 60 years of your, your life with. And if it ends like a bad marriage, it's going to be just as terrible as that bad marriage in terms of the breakup with that company. Um, you guys were very fortunate um, with the partnership that, that you've had with, with Eric. I mean, you guys knew each other before you got into business together and the, the relationship has been, you know, seemingly going incredibly well. So uh, what advice do you, do you have for people? Do you think it is important? Like even like I myself, like I don't, I don't see myself getting a partner anytime soon because a trust is a thing that I need would need to work on. And also I, there isn't enough work for me to give up, you know, someone else to do at this point or someone sure. that sees and the vision as well. Like someone who sees is passionate about this stuff as much as I am. Yeah. And I, I think I, I absolutely respect the idea that you're not going to take on help before you need it. I think you should run your business efficiently. You're, you're a startup. You're, you're trying to be lean and, uh, kind of bootstrapping it for a while. Um, there is a, a, we'll say a tipping point or a breaking point where it might become more point, important to take on a business partner. And in our case, we were taking a little bit of a existing client roster into this when Eric decided to transition from the facility he was operating out of as an independent contractor to the one we're in now. And so there were there were clients who were eager to work with him. And Eric said to himself, you know, I hate scheduling. I hate billing. I hate giving the pitch. I, he's, I just love being a coach. Mm-hmm. I like coaching him up on the training floor. And so by taking me on, he basically outsourced the responsibilities he didn't want mm-hmm. to somebody who was enthusiastic about the administrative component of running a business. And that's great. You know, find somebody who who is interested in the things that you hate. That's a good business partner. And so for, for Eric and I to circle back, one, I agree, trust is earned. And you don't just give it to somebody and say, you're my business partner now. Here are the keys to the business account. You know, run wild with the cash box. We lived together during the fall of '99 uh, into 2000. We—I uh, remember the f- the first week of college. Eric introduced me to Instant Messenger and helped me get set up on that. And we both downloaded Napster because <laughs> it went live. Jeez. Think about that. Napster went live like as I was starting my college experience. That's Perfect. how old we are. Perfect timing. And, uh, so, like, the, we experienced all these ridiculous late 90s into the early 2000 things living under the same roof, and we trust was just there. Um, that being said, obviously, I don't expect people to dig somebody out of um, the archives of their life and say, who did I know 15 years ago who would be great to start a business with? But I, I did actually write sometime last fall. I wrote a blog, and it was it was called something like, the most important decision you'll make for your fitness business or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And it was specifically about the questions you need to ask yourself if you, if you're going to be looking to take on a business partner. So those questions would be like one, you're, you are going to essentially be aligning yourself and your credit with, with somebody, some other individual, you know, you're going to probably borrow some money. You're going to sign leases together. Do you know them on that level? can you can they be trusted with your credit score <laughs> yeah um, yeah that's that's god i never thought of it that way that's one of the big ones and then if you're doing it right you're probably investing some savings mm-hmm. and not just spending entirely borrowed money so is it someone you trust to help you spend your life savings it's a big question Jeez. um if is is this someone i'm comfortable spending six days a week with six to seven i mean early on we were 
we were living our business and we got to a point where we could establish off days and comfortably take the the perks that come with being an owner but uh, there was a point in time where not only were Eric and I spending dozens or we'll say 12 to 15 hours a day together in a work setting we were even commuting together because we were living in the same building in Somerville as uh and you know sharing a ride to work so when people asked like do you guys have have um like strategy meetings and I said yeah twice a day for 45 minutes one going west and the other one driving east Mm -hmm. that's when we talk about the business objectives um another hugely important one do if they have a significant other do I get along with them that's a really big one. You don't realize <laughs> when you're going into business with someone, you're going into business with their spouse or their their girlfriend or boyfriend. And, yeah, and yeah. You, I can't begin to underestimate um, how much of an influence that person has, be it Katie in my house or Anna and Eric's house. They, You better believe it, that they have an opinion for the way we should take care of business. So that stuff influences the business question. Mm-hmm. And then I'd say the last one's like, what are their long-term career goals? So, uh, are they, are they going into business because it's kind of fascinating to them right now? Or are they trying to create a career with you? And it's, they're, they're all important questions and everybody's in a unique circumstance, but those are the ones that I would ask myself for sure. Yeah. I always like the thing that, um, like Mike Boyle always said is that, you know, would you go in a business with someone that, that you know has cheated on their spouse? Because it's an awesome question to ask yourself. Yeah. Like what does that, does that mean? I mean, that means they could possibly cheat, cheat on you. I mean, it it shows a a little bit of a a lack of morality. I mean, everyone makes mistakes, but would you want them to also make that mistake on your business or have them steal money like that? That's them cheating on you in a business sense. So sure. Character is everything when it comes to selecting a business partner. I absolutely agree with that. Um, okay. So we are over an hour in. (laughs) So, um, sorry. (laughs) What, 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 this is, this is a very, there's a very interesting version of the book club because I I think it is like a really great starting off point, but maybe more than any book that has been covered so far, this is something that you should really pick up and and read for yourself. And judging from, you know, our discussions, like for for me, this is something that I'm actually going to have to reread because a lot of the concepts, I mean, uh, while listening to it, like it, it generated a lot of ideas. It generated a lot of things for me to think about, but it's almost like, like, okay, I, I read this book and now I have, I kind of have uh, like a general map that I'm looking at, but I think what I'm, and, and like, it, this is like me kind of planning my trip that I'm taking six months from now. This is the best analogy I can give you. Like I'm taking a trip in six months. Like I read this book, so I'm kind of charting out what that journey is going to look like. But I think like in six months when I actually get into the car, that's when I'm going to, you know, pull up this book again and use it as, uh, you know, kind of like my GPS as I kind of go forward with a little bit more direction because I actually have a couple more moving parts that will fit into place with this stuff. So um, does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's kind of a series of business-specific conversation starters. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. <laughs> and, and like I said earlier, conversations with yourself. So if you are someone who's sitting on an idea and you know, you've know you maybe been hesitant to leave your commercial gym or maybe you work in the private sector for an employer like CSP or an MBSC and, and you know someday you want to run your own shop, this book challenges you to think strategically about how you can bring something unique to the table that doesn't already exist from that idea. Like how can you, how can you expand upon your idea? Because if, if it were truly revolutionary, 
and and like a game changer, you sure as hell would have done something with it already because mm-hmm. there's <laughs> there is no time to wait when it comes to innovating, right? I mean, the the longer you wait, someone else is going to do it. <laughs> Well, let's uh, let's kind of uh, put a, a period on the end of this episode there, and um, I, I would definitely recommend this in terms of like uh, we give grades for the, these these books at the end of each show out of a five star rating with no half stars uh, out of five stars. What, what do you give this book in terms of the stuff that you've read? Oh, no half stars. No. What if I give it a four plus? <laughs> no, you can give it a four, or you can give it a five, or you can give it a three, a two, a one, or a zero. I'm going to give it a firm four. I really enjoyed this book. Okay. But I I don't know that I've come across a five yet in my life where I just am like, I got to read this again and again and again. Really? There's no books that you, that was the last thing I was going to ask you. Is there like a book that you're kind of constantly going back to? Yeah. um, But not, (laughs) that book is Talk Like Ted. And I listen to it on audio before, during the weeks leading up to a big presentation. Anytime I'm going to speak at an event at like the fitness summit or if I'm going abroad to present somewhere, <laughs> I, I cycle back to Talk Like Ted by Carmine Gallo and, and kind of revisit the important components of what make the best TED presentations the best. And uh, for me, it's like a, it's, it's just a series of reminders of, of what sets a presenter apart from the rest. But I don't know that that is what you mean when you say, is there a book that you find yourself reading all the time? Because to talk like Ted isn't like this revolutionary, insightful thing. It's just it, it makes me remember the important components of designing a good PowerPoint and, mm-hmm. and speaking to the audience in an effective way. So that's my recurring book. It stays in my audible at all times. It's and just, it's uh it's one that I will probably consume three to four times a year. And it's like a, maybe a seven, seven hour or so audio book. Well, it's better than the answer Tony gave me off air, which was Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. So I believe it. I, <laughs> no, I absolutely believe it. <laughs> um, that That's his book that he goes back to before every presentation, just to, to think of the the um the the kind of fear that was in Harry Potter and and the the courage that he needed to have to succeed. I've never read any of those books or seen the movie, so I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, hey, if you want to present and bring people into your own little imaginary world, then what better way than to, to figure out how you're going to turn your turn your next presentation venue into Hogwarts? There, but sure, I'll take your word for it. Um, and uh, you know, finally, uh, I will uh, reiterate as we kind of wrap this up. If you are thinking about picking up this book, whether it be the Audible, the Kindle version, or the the paperback version, um, if you go to the Fitcast, uh, go to Fitcast.network and click on that Amazon button on the upper right hand corner. I know it is no easy thing to do that extra step because we all have that muscle memory of just like typing in Amazon or, or going on an app or something like that. But uh, that extra step does help out and it shows uh you know your support to the show and to the network in general so that means a lot if you uh if you if you go and do that but um Pete, before we do finally wrap up i know you are kind of presenting uh, a ton now and it's been it's been really cool to see how you've been doing great things that you're just at the the fitness summit a couple of weeks ago and uh i'm kind of curious do you have any other talks coming up and maybe considering that this is going to come out in about four to six weeks uh, you know, we actually, my wife and I have an agreement that I can travel, we'll say quarterly, like get on a flight to go present somewhere. Right. Like and, that. uh, I used a lot of chips over the last few months, like heading to New York city to present at one of the MFF events. Oh, that's right. And heading, I was out in 
at SUNY Cortland recently presenting. And I've, like I said, I've just cashed in a lot of chips and, um, we are expecting our second child in August. And so we're getting up into that range where it's like important for me to be closer to home. Mm-hmm. So I have nothing real firm on the schedule. There's a shot at London in the fall, possibly, and again in the spring and next March. And I'll definitely be presenting at our fall seminar here at CSP. And Eric and I are are very seriously kicking around the idea of doing a one-day business event here at our facility where we, we kind of open the doors on our model and answer questions for attendees. And uh, we're even looking at getting our, our accountant involved in the process because in in all of our years of working with him and passing along leads from him to our, our employees and other fitness professionals and lately in my business consulting, I've, I've generated a lot of gym leads for him mm-hmm. and he has exposed himself to a lot of the most common mistakes that he sees again and again from us gym owners and uh, he's going to give a really cool presentation at that about i mean just the biggest holes in our <laughs> our our accounting efforts and opportunities to save ourselves a lot of money and i would say whatever we charge for that event is his presentation is going to be the worth the cost of admission alone because he's going to bring a ton of value. So that'll be the next time I present. It'll probably be late spring, early summer, mm-hmm. and it's going to be here in Massachusetts. And I don't have a date. I don't have a name. I can just tell you that we're going to hit everything as it relates to business running this facility since the day we started it back in July of 2007. That sounds awesome. And I can't tell you again how much I benefited from spending an hour with my accountant just asking a bunch of questions because Hey, surprise, taxes are very complex these days. Um, oh, yeah. Especially if you run a, a business, even a small business by yourself. Like, that's something that you need to really uh, learn the system to, to kind of figure out, you know, how to get the, the maximum benefits of all the things that, that you are doing and you're not spending, you're not paying more taxes than you, you, you should be. So, um, yeah, it's always just missed opportunity type right, deal. Right. And, and that's a great piece of advice, and I, I hammer it home all the time. Get a great accountant, establish an ongoing relationship with them, send them a ton of business, and and then you won't feel so inclined to worry about teaching yourself, like you mentioned earlier in this conversation. I, I send emails on a weekly basis without hesitation to our guy, and he'd rather see us uh, clean up our effort in Q1 then come to him at the end of the year with a messy collection of books because he, you know, we chose not to contact him because we said, I'll figure it out myself. I don't want to distract him. Mm-hmm. So it's, that's, that's my two cents. <laughs> yeah. So we have a couple things that you need to do. You got to go buy uh, zero to one. You have to find uh, a great accountant. And um, like I said, I spend $500 an hour for mine and it was very much worth it. Um, but it's, it's a guy that I was recommended for my family and he's kind of kicks ass. So, I'm going to continue to, to see him, but find someone that you can trust, not someone that is, I don't know. I don't know how you find, how do you find a good accountant beat? Do you have any advice on that? Uh, well, in our case, Eric's brother has an accounting background and and he went to school for it and he directed us toward a classmate of his well, that's from like when the he was best, in college. That's like the best way to do it is to get it yeah. recommended from someone else, someone that has already been with someone for a long time. But, um, and it's good to stay within, kind of get someone who understands your line of work. I mean, mm-hmm. a great example being that my wife is um, in digital media and she worked for Yahoo, she worked for AOL, and she was selling advertising for those companies. And when it came time for us to take on a financial advisor for us and our family, 
um, you know, my, my wife generates a good chunk of the income that our family does as well. And she said, I'd like to go with somebody that my colleagues have recommended because they understand our comp structure and they understand how we earn and where we can save. And we went that route. And so I have no problem with that mentality. If you run a gym, if you and your spouse are in business of fitness, then find an accountant who, who knows fitness because it is different from other industries. It's, you know, there's a kind of a unique component to how this play, how this, uh, fitness businesses run. Love it. All right. You guys have a lot of things to, uh, to do in the next couple days to, to, to act on this, on this podcast. And again, go pick up the book and then start there. I would also recommend that you go to, uh, Pete Dupuy.com at P E T E D U P U I S dot com. Pete has been blogging his ass off on that website and you can get more uh, insight into uh, his business advice, uh, especially in the fitness industry, and also uh, get up to date on the books that he's reading because he does a great job keeping people up to date on his latest reads and what he thinks of those books. Um, anything else that, that I missed? Uh, of course, you can follow Pete on Twitter because everyone has Twitter, P-E-T-E underscore D-U-P-U-I-S, Pete underscore Dupuis on, on Twitter. You got that Instagram game? Uh, my Instagram game is is Cressy Sports Performance. <laughs> <laughs> I run it. If you, if you guys track our brand at all, uh, be it on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all those, those are coming coming from my desk and my phone. So I can only do so much. And plus, people don't really give a crap about visuals from the business consulting guy. <laughs> I mean, what am I going to do? Put up pictures of my calculator? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's a picture of my new number two pencils and stuff. Exactly. Um, so I'll save you guys the trouble. Don't look for me on Instagram. <laughs> perfect. Okay. Uh, and also, uh, don't forget, that you can follow everything that's going on on the FitCast Network at FitCast.network. There are shows coming out almost every single day of the week. And if you enjoyed this episode, I definitely recommend that you go check out the FitCast Life Fuel shows. That are, those are very much business-focused. And also uh, speaking on the uh, the business side of just starting your own, your own business, getting motivated, and, and having the tools that you need to do whatever you want to do in life because... Uh, you know, again, I, I mentioned uh, Dave Delanave, like we had a great discussion on an advice for people that want to quit their job and like what the next steps are. And if like quitting your job is is the right next step, uh, because those are all things that people say all the time, oh, I'm going to quit my job. But is that the right thing for for your career or, you know, what you should at least do in preparation before you uh, burn the bridge behind you on the way out and maybe just don't burn the bridge at all? Um, lots of great stuff. Uh, he's, he's a good dude. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me, Kev. I really appreciate the opportunity and always fun jumping on the FitCast, even in its newest format. Well, thanks for wrapping up the show for me. Um, that allows <laughs> me to, to kind of just say thanks so much for listening as well. Thank you, Pete. And uh, for everyone else out there, uh, thank you for your support. And don't forget to tune in in two weeks when we're going to have a brand new book. I don't know what it is yet, but I'm sure it's going to be something that is important to read. We'll Thought, see provoking. Yeah, thought provoking. We'll see you next time.